0: So effectiveness is working on the correct things and it all really comes back to your goals and what are you trying to achieve? So in that sense, productivity should mean something different to everyone. We all have different outcomes that we're trying to work towards. Effectiveness is making progress towards where you want to be. Mm -hmm. Efficiency is doing that quickly. So one of them is you need to have clarity on your goal. Where are you trying to get? There's no point starting with efficiency and working quickly if you're working on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. But that's why the effectiveness component is really important. But then efficiency is okay. Now I'm I know where I want to be. I know what steps I need to take to get there. How can I do that efficiently?
1: Do you love your life as a small business owner? Let's be real. Sometimes we just don't. It's my hope that this. The My Daily Business Podcast helps you regain a little of that lost love through practical, actionable tips, tools, and tactics, interviews with creative and curious small business owners, and in-depth coaching episodes with me, your host, Fiona Kalaki, With more than 20 years' experience in marketing, brand, content, and systems, and having now helped thousands of small business owners, I know what it takes to build a business that you can be proud of and that actually aligns with your values, your beliefs, and your hopes for the future. So much of our daily life is spent working on and in the businesses and the brands that we are creating. And so it makes sense to actually love what you do. So let's get into this podcast and help you figure out how to love your business and your life on the daily. Hello and welcome to episode 366 of the My Daily Business Podcast. Today, it is a small business interview and really excited about bringing you this one because it's somebody that I have learned so much from and actually hired as a mentor in my own business. But really excited to bring you that because I know that it's going to give you lots of tips and insights into his area of expertise. Before we get stuck into that, I want to, of course, acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians on the land on which I record this podcast. And that is the Walrong and Rundry people of the Kulin Nation. And I pay my respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. The other thing I wanted to quickly mention is that every so often around about this time, we get a bunch of DMs saying, ah, I wanted to get my girlfriend, boyfriend, pet, whatever, a business coaching session, how do I organize that as a gift for the end of year or Christmas or whatever else that they're looking at. So if you want to do that, you can always just email us Hello at mydailybusiness.com and we'll organize that for you. You can also just buy a business coaching session online, just get it sent to your email, not the person who's receiving it, and then we will follow up about that and then you can let us know that this is actually for my significant other or somebody else, and we organize that. It's kind of a surprise for them. So it's really lovely. We've done it in so many times for people where they've bought birthday presents or Christmas presents or you know Mother's Day presents for somebody in their life and it's a business coaching session and you know, people get so much out of it. So I just wanted to let you know about that. You can find all of the stuff that we sell at mydailybusiness.com forward slash shop. Or of course, you can always just email us hello at mydailybusiness.com. We also do sell gift certificates, so you can buy them any time of year and they can be used for up to 12 months. All right, let's get into today's small business interview. So today it is my absolute pleasure to bring an interview to you that I did a little while ago with the wonderful Paul Miners. Now, Paul Miners is a productivity expert and he is somebody that I have been watching for years. So when I first started my business back in the very end of 2015, I started looking at what kind of programs and tools would I like to use in order to manage things like content, processes, systems. You know, I knew that I wanted one spot that had a lot of the internal things that I needed in the business. And I also knew that I probably would be hiring somebody for admin at some point in the business. And so I started, you know, start as you mean to go on. So I started by documenting as much as I could. Now I used the tool Asana, and I still use the tool Asana. I have talked about moving to Millanote and I'm using Using Milanote and Asana at the moment. But the person who taught me the most about Asana is today's guest, Paul Miners, because I found his Asana videos on YouTube. And that is how I got to know how to do certain things in Asana that I wasn't able to find elsewhere. Since then, Paul has started a podcast and I listen to that every so often called the Paul Miners Podcast. So many great bite sized things. The reason that I listen every so often is because they are bite sized, so you can kind of binge a bunch and such helpful things. So, Paul has been in my business in some capacity (laughs) externally for some time. And recently, about a year ago, I think it was, I was watching one of his videos or maybe I suggested it to somebody and I went through it quickly. I do suggest his stuff to people all the time. And so I was going through that video and I saw him talk about how he works with different clients and consults. And I was like, oh, hang on. I have been getting free information from this guy for so long. I'm actually going to reach out and see how we can work with him. And Erica, my assistant, was using Asana and I just thought we could use Asana in a better way, I'm sure. I'm not fully utilizing it in the way that we could. And so I kind of bought a year with Paul for Erica to go through his courses, to go to his coaching calls, all sorts of things. And it also included a couple of hours, I think it was, with one-on-one calls. So I recently did one of those one-on-one calls with Paul and it was fantastic. Just his instant understanding of, oh, what if you just did this and this and this? What if you just did that? I was like, oh my goodness. Sometimes you're so close to things that you cannot see where things could be improved as easily as somebody who's a bit further away. I know so often in my own business coaching, I'll be working with people and I'll be like, oh, have you thought about doing that? And they're like, oh my goodness, that is so simple. Why have I not thought of it? But you know, everyone goes through this. And so when Paul and I did the one-on-one, he was able to just pinpoint things really quickly that are going to really, really help us, particularly as we're planning out 2024 and our revenue streams and tracking things and just so much stuff that I'm excited about using Asana again. So I asked Paul if he would like to come onto the podcast and talk about why he loves Asana, how he helps people with productivity, how he even got started in productivity and how he's built his business. So that is what I'm doing today in today's chat. So in today's chat, we talk with Paul Miners all about all sorts of things, how he got into YouTube, which is where I found him, how he's built his business. I mean, his website alone gets 100,000 people visiting it every month to learn about productivity and tools like Asana, Pipedrive and Zapier. And so he's the perfect person to talk to about all things productivity. So here it is, my chat with the wonderful Paul Miners. Welcome, Paul, to the podcast. How are you feeling about life right now?
0: yeah thanks for having me um feeling really good actually in a great spot yeah like just got my business to a point where everything's running really smoothly and supporting the family and which is kind of the goal in the first place really was to you know sort of do my own thing and support the family and uh I'm doing it so no really happy
1: I love it and I am going to put you on the spot here but people might guess that you're from a certain part of the world with that lovely accent but can you tell us where you're joining us from
0: Yeah, I'm in Auckland, New Zealand, but originally grew up in England, in Hampshire, down south. And uh, when I was about 50, 16, actually, yeah, my parents decided to move us to New Zealand, uh, where the grass was just a little bit greener and... Here we are. Yeah. moved over with my three other brothers. I'm a twin as well. I'm an identical twin. Um, So the whole family and us four boys all made the the trip with the dog as well. Yeah.
1: Four boys. I have two boys. Goodness me. And I grew up one of four, but two girls, two boys. Four boys is a lot. Well, that's good. You went to New Zealand, lots of room to run and play. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And so can you share your journey so far and you're a business owner and you're a productivity expert and all sorts of things and you help with self-improvement. Has this always been something you were interested in, even as a kid? Or how did you actually come to run the business that you run right now? Yeah, well, I think
0: definitely thinking back to my childhood, I was always a very organized person. Like, I loved cleaning my room, (laughs) like going through my drawers, organizing things, throwing out junk and toys that I wasn't using. So I was very sort of organized as a kid. I really started getting into productivity at university when I just loved how... At the start of the semester, they would say, "Right, here are all the important dates. These are when your assignments are due. This is when the exams are. This is all the dates you need to know." And I could then, in my calendar, I'd put in all my, you know, my timetable, obviously. But then in the calendar on my computer, I would put in, right, well, I know I've got that assignment coming up. Let me work backwards from that and just time block, like how much time I'm going to need to write that essay. You know, do the introduction, and I'll work on that paragraph on this day between my classes. So. I think it's just kind of how my brain worked. It just made sense to use my calendar as a planning tool. And, and yeah, during university, I really started to get into that habit. And I think just, I also started to just get interested in self-improvement in general, just like, how can I have more energy? How can I be more organized, be more productive, more motivated? So, you know, kind of read a lot of the cliche help, uh, self-help books and things out there. When I got my first job, I was working in marketing and and all of that sort of continued and snowballed. I was thinking, you know, how do I perform well at my job and, you know, just be really organized. And it was while I was working, I was in my early 20s. I started my blog at paulminers.com and I thought, you know, what is something I can talk about that I can help people with that may lead to some business someday? And yeah, I kind of landed on productivity because I felt like something I'm naturally good at, something I feel I could talk about, you know, ongoing for a while. So it's just sort of ticked a few boxes. And then it was sort of in my mid twenties, I was able to, I started doing some consulting on helping people with Asana and pipe drive. And I was doing that on the side um, of my job. And I just sort of got to the point where the consulting revenue that I was generating in sort of 15 hours a week was now starting to surpass my full-time salary. And I thought, look, I can, I can take this full time and, and, and grow it from here. And uh, that was at the end of 2016 and sort of, it was off to the races from there.
1: Wow. And so how do you describe what you do? Like if someone, if you were actually, when you travel and you have to fill in that little card, well, you don't have to do it. I just went to the US this year and nobody else does it except Australia, it feels like. But you have that little like travel card that says occupation? What do you say? Do you write well, consultants? I just,
0: put, to you? I just put consultant. Yeah, uh, yeah. And if, if I was at a, you know, a social event and somebody said, what do you do? I would just say, I, I primarily lead with like, oh, I help people with productivity and sales software. Cause that's, mm-hmm. I mean, I have my blog and podcast and I sell some digital courses and eBooks and things, but most of my time and, and income comes from the consulting. So I tell people I'm a productivity consultant.
1: Yes. With your twin, when you were saying I was this almost, I mean, I have two young boys and one is Ten or eleven, and he's quite into like home improvement shows and everything. But his floor in his room is just a complete mess. Yeah. And when you were talking about your childhood and growing up, and I'm so organised, and even when you were, you know, talking about okay, this essay is due, then working back. I mean, most people don't have that way of working, especially no. when they're young. Is your twin the same, or is your twin the opposite?
0: Yeah, we're very similar actually. He's very oh. organised as well. I think he listens to my podcast actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, he listens to a few episodes yeah because we actually shared a room so oh, no. for, until we were about 15 or 16 so it was and before and until we got to new zealand we actually shared a room so i think when we're one of us was tidying we just we were both naturally tidy because we just i don't know i don't know if it was a nature or nurture thing it's hard to really say where it came from mm-hmm. but we just enjoyed sort of keeping i think cause maybe because we were sharing a room i'm kind of guessing really it's you feel like you want to look after your space and and keep it yours and organize it. So maybe there's a bit of that, you know, after you share a room.
1: Wow. Wow. Okay, so you have helped more than 400 businesses. And I know because we have been one. We actually have come to Paul Miners for help with all sorts of things. And I know Erica, my assistant, has absolutely enjoyed being part of that sort of group with you for the last year or so. When you are working with clients, firstly, what kind of businesses do you work with? Is it everyone? And then once you've answered that, I've got a follow-up question. Yeah, well, we
0: specialize in Asana and PipeDrive. So Asana, for those that don't know, is a project management tool that really all sorts of different businesses use. It could be sort of solopreneurs use asana to manage their work and the projects they're working on small teams but actually asana the company is focusing a lot on growing in the enterprise sort of realm so we've worked with very big organizations as well so that's fun because we get to work with all sorts of different types of companies across lots of different industries because PipeDrive is very excuse me asana well and PipeDrive, drive they're i guess somewhat generic they're not specific to mm-hmm. you know marketing agencies or mm-hmm. construction companies sort of anyone could use asana really So that's fun because we work with small, medium, large businesses across all sorts of industries. We work with lots of agencies, a lot of B2B type businesses, especially on the pipe drive side. You know, that's more of a sales CRM. So, yeah, usually a lot of B2B businesses there.
1: Okay. And so do they have, you know, often I'll have clients who will say, oh, I've got different types of audiences. And I'll be like, yeah, so do I. However, if I'm thinking of a big company who's doing consulting and then a small somebody who's just getting started, there's usually a common theme and a place to begin with each of them, which often is just about, you know, clarity and direction and communication channels. But with yours, where do you even begin, especially if you're going with a solo operator who may have literally like pieces, notes and pieces of paper around their office to kind of remind them, and then enterprises or these huge companies where, you know, they've got a thousand people or 10,000 people that need to be tuned into something. Where do you even start? Is there one starting point? It depends on whether if
0: they're a brand new user to Asana, if they're Mm -hmm. brand new, we can, it's great because then we have a fresh, clean slate and we can then actually start not by getting into Asana straight away. We can actually start by going, right, tell me about your business. You know, how many people on your team? What departments do you have? What type of work do you need to manage so a marketing agency might say we need projects for all of the you know clients we're doing mm-hmm. website launches social media campaigns maybe we need to manage our internal human resources we want to manage somewhere for accounting and admin So that's when we start with someone brand new, we can sort of almost we do it on a mind map often is plan Mm -hmm. out what are the different types of work that we want to manage in Asana. Mm -hmm. And that will help us then work out what teams and projects we're going to go and create or templates. Mm -hmm. More commonly, actually, we get approached by companies like yourself who Mm -hmm. have been using Asana for a little while. Mm -hmm. And the most common thing I hear when people come to me is they say, I've been using Asana a while. I like it. But. I don't think it's set up in the best way, and I don't think I'm getting full use out of the tool.
1: I'm like literally laughing, guys.
0: That's what most people say. Yeah. (laughs) So then we can start, right, let's, we do sort of a bit of a health check or an audit. Let's look at your account, like what teams and projects do you have set up? Let's just understand how are you currently using Asana? What are you doing well? And where do we think you could improve? Maybe it's structuring your teams and projects slightly differently, or maybe there's features like templates and dependencies and rules that you're not using that we think you you could really benefit from. So yeah, it, it will depend a little bit on whether they're new or existing, but will yeah, people will fit into one of those buckets.
1: Mm, okay. And so when you said you were really interested in productivity at uni or even when you were younger, and obviously that is the cornerstone of what you offer now and well into the future, and I'm sure even if the platforms change, that's still the cornerstone. Can you recommend some kind of essential productivity tools or apps that you find indispensable? Outside of Asana, because we're going to get into Asana yes. in a, in another question. How, but long, how yeah. long have
0: you got? Well, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> you're being very succinct and productive so yeah. far. So you know, go for it.
0: So I'll name I'll name as many as I can. I mean, ones that I use every day. Text expander. If you go to my text YouTube channel Expand. as well, I've got videos about text expander. So that's it. It works on PC and Mac. It basically is a tool that you can use to store text, which is called a snippet. I think they call it a snippet. Which you can then retrieve, or you can sort of generate that text by typing a little abbreviation. So, a great example of how you would use Text Expander is for email templates. Mm-hmm. So, people often email me, Hey, Paul, I'd love to learn more about your services. Can we chat? So, I have a snippet which is for an intro email. Mm-hmm. So, I can reply to that email, and I just type a semicolon and then the word intro. And so, when I type that little abbreviation, Text Expander spits out all my text for like, hi, name. And I can actually fill in their name, I can be prompted mm-hmm. to fill in their name and it'll say uh, i can i can choose different drop downs as well so if they're asking me about help with asana i'll say thanks for reaching out here's where you can learn about asana i can pick that option in the template and then it generates all that text for me so i use it for things like email templates also for links i send people my calendly booking links i have loads of affiliate links for uh, products that i recommend so text expander is a tool that i use probably dozens if not hundreds of times a day one password is—it's kind of a productivity tool in my mind because just seeing how slow some people can be logging in when they forget their passwords. So just being someone who's very organised, and I think we spoke about this, didn't we? I, I said we to you did, on our call,
1: we did, because we were using LastPass years ago with a different virtual assistant and. Yeah, we didn't love it. And you were like, no, you should get onto this. Take some yes. One
0: password, yeah. So especially if all the business owners out there, really, you know, it's, it's crazy how many clients we've worked with and I, you know, we get passwords to their accounts to go and check things and they have the most basic guessable passwords it's awful so best way to protect your business is to have strong unique passwords for every single service ideally two factor authentication as well like a code that you have to put in and text expander makes all uh, excuse me one password makes all of that really easy so all of my passwords are stored in there it makes logging in quicker than typing in the password because it's just going to suggest right you're logging into zapier here's your login click it done it fills in the two factor code so it actually makes logging in very quick mm. I mean, my tech stack, I use Zoom for my calls, Calendly. I've mentioned before, we rely on heavily, not just for scheduling with me, but my team. I can send people links and it will look at all of our calendars and see who's available. I love Calendly. What else am I using? I mean, my calendar, I'm a Mac user. Um, Fantastical on the Mac is very good. Fantastical. You can use Fantastical. What does
1: what that do? That sounds fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's a calendar. So I, I actually just used the, the default Apple calendar for years, which is very good. It's nice and simple. It works. Fantastical has a few extra features that are really nice. It makes scheduling Zoom calls and adding Zoom links to your meetings really easy because it integrates... And it has very good time zone support. So if, like me, you work with clients in lots of different time zones, I can, on the right hand side, I've got on the left is my my time, but on the right, I can say, right, change that to American Pacific, and mm-hmm. I can see when different things are happening in different time zones. You can also set up event templates for appointments that you do again and again. So there's a few features like that that I really
1: like. That sounds like one we need to get onto. Fleek, fleek. Like, oh, yeah,
0: it is It is Mac and iPhone specific, but it is, if you're in that Apple ecosystem, mm. it works really well. A Zapier, I do a lot of automation connecting services together. So Zapier is kind of like the glue of my yeah. business that connects, you know, Pipedrive with Asana and Stripe to Pipedrive and... and We have minutes. Zapier on everything,
1: which... Yeah. How do you feel about Zapier? Actually, if I can stop you for one second. Yeah, please. Because we have Zapier. So Squarespace does not integrate with Kajabi, which is where all our courses are. And we've looked at, okay, do we move to Squarespace courses and all of those? With Zapier, we have had a couple of instances in the past where say Kajabi has updated something and there's that for some reason, the zap hasn't talked to it, but it seems to be the biggest one. Do you think it is the biggest one when you're literally looking at workarounds between two platforms that don't necessarily integrate easily?
0: Yeah, I mean it's probably the most well known, but I think it's—I don't know if it's been around the longest, but certainly of the ones I'm aware of—and it's great if you know you want to make two tools talk to each other, but you don't know how to do any code or write code. So it's—it's it's referred to as a no-code platform. So I can—I use it, for example. Right, people go to my site, they cl- click on my Calendly booking link, they can book an intro call with me. And then I can use Zapier to grab their name, email, their booking details, and create a new contact and a new deal in my CRM, which is Mm Pipedrive. I can also, at the same time, add them to my ConvertKit email marketing software and trigger an email to say, you know, thanks for your booking and here's some info. So rather than having to manually copy and paste all of that information and do it myself, Zapier does that for me. There is an alternative called Make. It used to be called Integromat. Now it's called Make, which is very similar. They each have slight differences in pricing, but they work very, very much the same way. If you go with Zapier or Make, you you know, both are going to be good options. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. And on that, lots of people understand what CRM means, but we do sometimes get feedback on this podcast that acronyms are not explained. So can you explain what CRM is for anyone who's listening when you're saying, oh, it connects to our CRM or it does this for our CRM?
0: So CRM, um, the way I'm using it is it stands for Customer Relationship Management System. So for me, Pipedrive is my, first and foremost, it's my contact database. So all Mm of my leads who are reaching out to me, all of my paying clients, but even people who aren't necessarily ever going to pay to work with me, even just people in my network, Mm -hmm. I keep everyone in Pipedrive. So I I decided early on, that's going to be my contact list. That's going to be my address book. And then I sync that to my Google contacts. Some people use Google Contacts as their main address book. I just decided, right, I'm going to, because I'm in Pipedrive every day, Mm. that's going to be the one that I update and that syncs to Google. And that way I've got all my contacts on my phone. It's my contact database, but it's also the tool I use to track all the different sales opportunities that I am working on and following up on right now. So when somebody says, can I get some help with Asana? I create what's called a deal. So a deal is represents some kind of sales opportunity. And then I can move that deal through the stages of my sales process. So I can see who has had a quote, who am I following up on? I can put all my notes, all of the details of the job. So we've got all of that in one place. And it's just where I manage all those opportunities that I'm projects that I'm trying to win. So it's essentially a sales tool.
1: Mm, Okay. So I came about you and I think this will be in the intro. I think I found you through YouTube. And I devoured your YouTube videos because you really explain things really easily. And I think I started watching you, gosh, I don't know when you started your business, but I think it was right when I had around about the time that I'd started my business because I started using Asana and then I was like looking for people and I found you on YouTube. One of the things that I like about you is that your productivity without from the sense that I get without hustle, 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 you know, rise and grind. And when I started my business, when did you start your business? Just out of curiosity,
0: Uh, kind of. I mean, the blog was like 2013, but really started getting serious probably around 2015.
1: Yeah. So this would have been the same time. So I started my business at the very end of 2015. I I started using Asana very soon after getting the Mm -hmm. business and then started, you know, watching you and looking at everything that you were putting out there. But around the same time then, you would have been seeing, because really between 2015 and 2018, there was like this hustle mentality yes. that was super cool. Yeah. And now That's everyone's on the anti-hustle. Yeah. 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 And have like, you yeah. know, document everything and have an entourage around you at all times. And now I see that so many people who were super hustle are suddenly on the anti-hustle bandwagon after pandemic. But you've, I feel like you've always sort of been that. So how do you define productivity? Because I think a lot of times people mistake productivity with hustle, 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 hustle.
0: I think there's a time and a place for hustling, is, mm-hmm. is what I would say. Like at the start of my business, if I think back to those days, I had to adopt a bit more of that hustle culture because I had a full-time job. So I would get up pretty early gosh I can't Mm -hmm. even remember it was like 4 35 and I would work for a few hours before going to my day job I'd do my day job and I'd come home and then I'd I'd do some more so I think hustling and putting in the extra hours was necessary for me at the time Mm -hmm. because I when else am I going to do it Mm -hmm. but hustling is not sustainable you know Mm -hmm. and I think it also comes back to your why as well like why are you doing this Mm -hmm. and for me you know once I my, my initial goal was to look I just want to start my own business and earn enough to replace my salary. If I could just earn the same as my salary and be, and be working for myself, that would be great. And then it was after that, it was right now I'm full time. Okay. Let, you know, maybe earn a bit more because I want to support my family and buy a nice house and that kind of thing. But really my why now is just, I mean, like I said at the start, you said, how are you doing? I'm really happy because I'm, I'm working for myself. I don't answer to anyone else. I mean, answer to my clients, of course, but you sort of, I set my own agenda and, and. I'm providing for my family, which is exactly what I want. So I don't really need to hustle anymore. Mm. It's not to say I don't work hard. I'm, I work, you know, pretty normal hours and I still get up early. I actually start my day about 6.30. But I usually try and finish up about sort of three thirty four when my son gets home from school. And then I'm often doing, you know, I do CrossFit classes in the evenings. So I'm I'm not having to... I don't think I need to hustle anymore because I've sort of got mm. to where I want to be. And that's going to be more sustainable. If you are hustling all the time, you're likely to experience burnout eventually because it's not mm. a sustainable sort of practice. So all of that to say, yeah, I think hustling is appropriate depending on context. But ultimately, it you know, it isn't sustainable. You shouldn't really be hustling over the long term. It's sort of maybe it's something you do to sprint every now and then. Maybe you've got a product launch coming up. Maybe you need a bit more hustle. But then mm. afterwards, take the time to relax and ease up on the gas a little bit.
1: Yeah, totally. I I've always been against the word hustle. And I totally agree with you, but I'll often be like, there are seasons where you need to work hard. Like I've just yeah. written my second book. That was hard. Hard yeah. to do that on top of everything else. And so I definitely feel like there'll be seasons. So then how do you define productivity? Like is it just working smarter? Like what is productivity?
0: Well, the the sort of textbook definition that I often cite is it's about being effective and efficient. And so mm-hmm. effective means working. I think I borrowed this initially from the four hour work week. I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So effectiveness is working on the correct things. And it all really comes back to your goals. And what are you trying to achieve? So in that sense, productivity should mean something different to everyone. We all have different outcomes that we're trying to work towards. Effectiveness is making progress towards where you want to be. Mm -hmm. Efficiency is doing that quickly. Mm -hmm. So one of them is you need to have clarity on your goal. Where are you trying to get? There's no point. There's no point starting with efficiency and working quickly if you're working on the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. But that's why the effectiveness component is really important. But then efficiency is okay. Now I'm I know where I want to be. I know what steps I need to take to get there. How can I do that efficiently, quickly? So. Text expander, email templates or Calendly Mm -hmm. or Zapier, you know, that's the efficiency part. But you really have to start with knowing where you want to get to. And this could apply, obviously, to your work if you're trying to start or grow your business. Effectiveness is going to mean, you know, getting more customers or getting more views on your YouTube or whatever that might be but it also applies a lot to your personal life as well like there's productivity in your personal life what am i trying to achieve am i trying to lose or gain weight you know or am i trying to you know do this new hobby or mm. whatever it might be in your or just, or just enjoy my weekends i always have mm. a list of jobs at the weekend <laughs> so so you can you can apply that same kind of thought process to your personal life as well
1: So, so spot on. So one of the things that you've mentioned is email templates. And that is something we have done from very early on. And it's something that I'll work with clients on quite often. I'll get the same pushback of around some sort of, I'm paraphrasing, but some sort of, yeah, I want to do more automation or I should have templates, but I just think that will take the human touch out of it. You know, it's not personal if you automate things that, you know, and I'm not big enough as a company to have these sort of automated responses. And even when I'll say to people, but you can still personalize them. They don't, they're not coming out super out of your brand tone of voice or anything else. How do you help people get that efficiency and effectiveness without losing what they believe to be the human touch? Because if it's just been you, let's say you're a ceramicist and it's just been you dealing with people and you've got a certain way of talking and everything else. And maybe you've never used any of these platforms sometimes there can be a thought of oh I'm just gonna it's just gonna sound like a robot it won't sound like me so how do you work with people to make sure they still have the human touch with things like automation
0: well I think it starts by using automation at the correct time so for me you know going back to people will go to my site they'll book a call through calendly and they actually do get an automated email that says thanks for your booking here's a bit more about me and I think actually, I actually get a lot of compliments on my booking process and the emails that I send because people I are like, Oh, think you have a great booking."
1: I remember when you said that, cause I was like, Oh, we should do that.
0: You should do that. Yeah, well, people were yeah. like, Oh, that's, that's really cool. We want to do something mm. like that. I think at the end of the day, automation is happening enough in the world now that mm. if you're just going to turn your nose up at someone because they're sent, you're getting an automated email, well, you know, you're going to find it hard to find anyone to work with or to help mm. you with who doesn't use any automation. So anyway, I do some automation at the start. Thanks for your booking. Here's some info about me. You know, I'm thinking about my sales process here. Now, after I have a conversation with someone and I've met them in person, I don't automate any of that follow-up. So if I've now sent a quote or a proposal for some work, some people want to build clients we work with. So we want to build like a follow-up sequence. And I I sort of question like, are you sure that's a good idea? Because now you've sent a quote or a proposal,
1: Mm -hmm. you probably
0: don't want to be following up automatically because everyone's timing is slightly different people yeah. have different you know I'm I'm going on a holiday call me in 2 weeks but also I think from sales perspective you're going to be more effective if you pick up the phone and talk mm-hmm. to them um, mm-hmm. people really appreciate that so I'll use more of a manual approach during that important part of my sales journey and then If they become a customer and they sign up, they get some automated emails, you know, here are the next steps. This is what you can do because some of my clients, you know, sign up for my program in the middle of the night. They don't want to be waiting for me for a response. So they get their automated next steps. If I lose touch with someone, maybe they, you know, you follow up and uh, I've decided, right, I'm not going to follow up again. I'll put them onto my newsletter. So at least they'll get my next video when it's available. So I choose to use automation at the sort of start and end of my sales journey where it's, kind of most beneficial, but I'm I'm still conscious about yeah providing that personal touch when it's needed, when they're making a decision or when customers come to me with questions, I'll get an email and I'll send a personal response. And actually something I love doing. And another tool that I want to recommend that I didn't put on the list earlier is it's another Mac app. It's called CleanShot. You can also use Loom, which is a popular one. It's basically a screen recording app And so I love answering people's questions by recording my screen and showing somebody how to do something in Asana. And then I say, here's a link to a video I've shown you what to do. So that's a a, a nice example of like a high touch support where they're getting an email and it feels really good. It's personal. So you can balance the automation by having really personal moments later on when, you know, customer support being a great example.
1: Mm, So much in there. And Mm. on there, you touched on videos. We use Loom, although... I have to say, not loving it at the moment, it keeps going through a lot of glitches. Like it keeps saying, now you need to update this, now you need to update this. It was a while
0: ago I used it and I found it quite glitchy as well. So I'm on a Mac and CleanShot is the one and I've got a video on it on YouTube as well. So that one works really well for me.
1: I will definitely check that out. And on your YouTube. So I found you, I said, you know, I originally found you on YouTube and you'd put out a lot of content and I have recommended you and I've told you this to so many people when I'm like, Oh, just go to Paul Miners on YouTube and you'll Mm. find a whole list of how to do basically everything (laughs) in these different platforms. How did you get started on that? How have you grown it? And what advice would you give to a lot of people are now saying, okay, I'm going to start my YouTube in 2024. And what yeah. Have you got tips for how to get started on
0: there? Yeah. I mean, I, I sort of, I've always been a bit interested in video because my brother and I would, um we just with home video. We'd record holidays and stuff we were doing. And then we got a GoPro and record oh, we wow. sailing and stuff. So we just like, we enjoyed making like home movies and stuff. So it, was, it helped having a little bit of experience and you sort of knowing the basics of editing. But actually it's it's very simple and software makes it so easy now as well. But really for me, why I decided to get on YouTube is I thought, well, you know, putting myself in the shoes of somebody who's brand new to Asana or brand new to Pipe Drive, If they need help, what are they going to do? They're mm-hmm. going to Google how to do something. And for something that's very visual, like the services that I provide helping them with Asana, if there's a video that shows them how to set up a project or how to create an automation or whatever it might be, that's going to be the best way to help someone. And mm-hmm. if I help them and build trust, because they've now watched a few of my videos, they see that I'm the real deal And then I'm going to have a call to action in the video and say, look, if you want more help, come and talk to me. So it just sort of when I was thinking about how to get leads and get customers, it it just sort of seemed like the natural thing to do for my business, because it's very the work I do is very visual. In terms of getting started, it's going to sound really sort of cliche and a boring answer, but you've just got to start somewhere. Like I think people try really hard or or they're almost like perfectionists. They're trying to make the video perfect. They want it to sound brilliant on, on day one. And it actually, if you go back and look at some of my very early videos, I don't have a nice background. Uh, the lighting's not good. The sound's not good. In fact, there's not even a picture of me in some of them. I didn't even do picture in picture. I think it was just my screen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was talking too quickly. But you have to go through a bit of a learning curve with any content that you create. Mm. You have to sort of suck for a bit at the beginning. You're not going to be, you know, Mr. Beast on day one.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's the big YouTuber. If people don't know Mr. Beast, yes. he's like the, yeah, one of the big guys. Um, so yeah, I guess I, I guess what I would say is I'm, I'm giving you permission to like suck at the beginning because the mm. more you do, the better you'll get. And I was actually writing a blog post today about communication. And one of the things I, I, a story I recalled was like that comment that people would say, oh, you're talking too quickly. And it, it sort of hurts to get that feedback, but then I would watch back and I'd be like, oh yeah, I am talking really quickly. So you can respond to the feedback. It could be feedback that's like, could you make a video about this? Or that wasn't clear. So the more that you do it, the better you get at producing good content at speaking clearly. And there's, there's no shortcut for that. It just comes with experience doing hundreds of videos. You get better and better with each one. So that's why I just say, you just have to start and just put in, put in the work and and you'll, you'll get better with time.
1: Yeah. And it's funny you say about the, um, one of my earliest comments on this podcast was fantastic content. If you can deal with how fast she talks. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, she's giving me a headache with how fast. And recently I've started using an AI tool with my coaching and it, and it actually gives me as a coach feedback and one the other day it said you went way too high 235 words a minute oh, um, wow. <laughs> and I should be at 175 and I was like oh god I did not real. but I think I get passionate and probably yeah. same as you Yeah, you're yeah. excited so you talk faster I but think you,
0: just this part of the world as well we talk quickly and if you yes. listen to I think the American podcast I listen on 1.25 speed they're a bit slower I,
1: <laughs> I listen sometimes I listen on double and then I think am I listening on double and then I and then I slow it down and I'm like oh my god are they smoking something it's yeah, just like <laughs> So, so, but let's talk about Asana because you teach a lot about Asana. Now I've been on Asana, like I said, very early on, it was one of the first, it was the first platform that I started using to help with our kind of project management. And as you saw recently, it's in a bit of a mess. (laughs) So thank you for your feedback, but I have often had, I'll have clients because I've been working for eight years and they'll be like, Oh yeah, I was using Asana, but now I've gone to Notion or now I've gone to Monday or now I'm on ClickUp. And there's always a new thing that's coming out. I have always stuck with Asana and Trello for clients because I just think they they work. So kind of why fix it? But with all of these new ones coming out, why would people look at Asana as their key option? Like, what do you love about Asana? Because you have been, I mean, I'm not sure if you get some sort of kickback. I hope you do because you are like the Asana spokesperson Mm. out in the world, like championing this platform. What is great about Asana? And what do you say to people who are like, oh, but that's been around too long and there's all these new ones coming out? That's sort of the well, feedback I'll sometimes get. Yeah, that's interesting
0: because the way I, I look at it, the opposite. Like I was about to say, Asana has been around for so long. Like that's why yeah. it's so good is they've they've learned based on all their customer feedback, like what makes a good project management tool, what to put in, what to leave out, because it's a fine balance making a tool that works really well for everyone. And I And they're
1: using and overwhelming?
0: Yeah, they're yeah. always being pulled in this direction of like adding more features and giving people the, the features and, and functionality that they want while also keeping it simple. You know, so it's Mm the spectrum they have to navigate. But I would say, you know, the the newer tools coming out, it's they don't have a track record. They haven't gone through over a decade of experimentation. So the fact that it's new to me is not a selling point. I also say, I mean, Asana, it's very similar to a lot of tools, you know, whether it's ClickUp or Monday, they're all, you know, pretty similar. You, really, the tool, it actually doesn't matter that much. I could you—I could run my business on ClickUp or Monday or any number of tools. And when people switch around a lot, you know, they'll come to me and they'll say, I've tried all these tools. They're switching because they think, oh, if I go to Monday, that one will work for me. Mm. Uh, it's got this feature that I need. But I mean, they all have pros and cons, things they do well and they don't do well. What determines your success with the tool is how you're using it. And are you following good best practices? Have you set it up in a clean way? Have you actually rolled it out and and got your team to adopt it? Because we see a lot of business owners just sort of sign up for Asana, dump it on their team, like, guys, we're going to use this. And there's nobody really in charge of it. Some people like it and use it and they're good at figuring it out. Some people don't like it. They're too busy or they're not good at figuring it out. So now you've got kind of this split in the team. So some people are not really using it. That's going to be a challenge. And so rather than dumping it on your team and just saying oh well Asana didn't work let's switch to this one because now every time you switch you're going to have to retrain everyone mm-hmm. it's a nightmare um you should actually take the time to think about how do we set this up correctly what are the best practices or almost like what we call the conventions mm-hmm. that around how your team should use it you know you should think about things like Who's allowed to create new projects? Is it everyone or is it somebody on the team that's going to set those up? Who's responsible for updating a task or marking it as complete? Sometimes there's confusion. Oh, I'll, I'll assign it back to Paul because he assigned it to me. So I'll assign it back to him and he can complete it. And that's not the correct process. So you almost need this sort of rule book about this is how we use Asana, these are our best practices. And actually by spending time thinking about that, getting your team on the same page, you're then much more likely to have a successful adoption of the tool. And even if it might lack some features that Monday has, doesn't matter because you're getting the most out of that software. So that's what I would say is just rather than jumping to the next shiny thing, just kind of being honest with yourself about are are you actually getting the most out of the tool or are you using it in the correct way? Or is your, is there something you even need to address with your company's culture? Like, is there a cultural reason why people aren't using it and they're gravitating back to email? Um, Mm. Because the tool doesn't really matter.
1: Yeah. So, such a good answer and so Mm. true. So with your business, you obviously mentor and help so many people. Who has been your mentor or who are kind of any role models in the industry that you're in or any kind of just valuable insights that you've ever had from like a book or documentary or anything that has stuck with you?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, my mentors or the people I've looked up to have sort of changed along the way. Like back in those early days, the hustle, it was mm-hmm. It was like people like Gary Vee, like, yeah, I need to hustle and I'll listen to him. And now it's I don't I don't listen to Gary Vee yeah. anymore because it's just, I don't know, it's not appropriate for where I'm at now. And I was, you know, reading books like The 4-Hour Workweek, Tim mm-hmm. Ferriss. I was also watching people who were sort of where I wanted to be. So Pat Flynn of Smart Passive oh, Income. Yeah.
1: Which I still, I really um, rate Pat Flynn. I still yeah. feel like he was one of the first... I mean, he did his podcast in like 2008, but I also feel like out of that whole kind of click in America of kind of yeah, business yeah. coaches, I feel like he is one of the more down to earth and he talks about his family a lot. Yes, and yeah, yeah. I don't feel like he's like, I just want to make as much money as possible. He's kind of like, I just want to do fun things and like experiment yes. and make cool And support and, my family. And, and so, support my family at the same time. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was great inspiration
0: in the beginning. Cause I was uh, just sort of, again, just trying to sort of work for myself and and get off the ground and, his advice was very appropriate for that stage and uh, that mm. I was at. I haven't really listened to Pat in years now, but more because I, I think, yeah, he probably does cater more for that sort of beginner.
1: Yeah, he was one. I remember printing out his "How to Write an Ebook" in 2016 yeah. Yeah. and reading it while I sat at the pool with my mum. And he literally, I he helped me write my first ebook, which in 2017 or 2018 sold really well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he is in that space. That I haven't listened either, but I still rate him. Yeah. And, and and
0: another one was Natalie Sisson. She at the time had the suitcase entrepreneur. She's a Kiwi. She oh. lives here in, uh, down in Wellington. I actually was fortunate enough to meet her for the first time last year, I want to say. But I've, it's funny because I've been following her and listening to her podcast for years. And she was just, yeah, like where I wanted to be, working for myself, doing the sort of podcasting, content, freelancing Ooh. sort of model. So she's been a great just sort of role model, especially because she's a Kiwi as well. I'm trying to think who I uh, who I sort of follow now. Anyone, uh, I think more on the parenting side now. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I really gravitate to those people that are talking about, you know, raising kids. An Australian example is Hamish Blake has got the great podcast "How ah. the Dad," which I really enjoy.
1: Number one podcast. It just came out recently. The top hundred podcasts in Australia is and it is number one. Yeah, no kidding.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm like now at that stage where I've got two boys and sort of thinking about that's a new skill that I'm trying to develop mm-hmm. and get better at is being a dad. So yeah, like love that that kind of content now.
1: Ah, oh, I love this so much. And so what are you most proud of in your career so far, in your business so far? I think just, just getting to where I
0: am and well, just, I guess, just executing on that original vision, really. It sounds a bit cliche, but I do sort of sometimes pinch myself. And actually I do this on a bad day, you know, when I'm having a bad day and it's like, maybe you had a really bad client experience, somebody who wasn't happy for whatever reason, or a project's not going well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's easy to complain and be like, oh, this is so annoying. And you almost sometimes you can even there might even be a feeling of resentment sometimes in your business because you've built this business around you. And now you can't leave. Not that I even want to, but it feels a little bit like a cage sometimes because it's like, oh, sometimes I just want to go and cut grass for a living. But I can't because I've got all these clients. <laughs> but then I I sort of pinch myself and remind myself, no, like you're doing what you want. Like you mm-hmm. wanted to work for yourself. You're earning a good income supporting the family. We're actually building a house. I wouldn't be doing that if I wasn't in this position. So I think I just, just reminding myself that on a bad day, look, you could be back at that job where you were 10 years ago. I know people who are still back at that company I worked at and Mm -hmm. you could still be in that company. You haven't really progressed that much, but this is where you are today. So I think that's, that's it. It's just, I'm proud on executing on that vision and getting to where I am. And I just try now, I, I actually don't, care too much about like growing much from here. I'm much more interested in optimizing, just Mm. like making the business work better. I did bring on a new contractor recently, but I don't do it to earn more revenue. I do it Mm. to make my life easier. So yeah, hopefully I've answered your question there. I think just just proud of executing on that original goal. Yeah.
1: Oh, such a good one. I think so often we get so convinced with like, everything will be better when I get here and here. And we keep moving the goalposts every time. And we often look forward and not looking backward to be like, oh my gosh, one of the clients, the client questions I ask when people are finishing up coaching is what is something that your, you know, yourself from three years ago would be proud of you doing in the Mm. last three or six months. And I think that's so, yeah, because so often we don't look back. We don't go, oh my God, my 21 year old would be, you know, my 21 year old self would have been dying to like have this life that I have now. And yeah, we're so lucky. And I think anyone who has the privilege of even considering starting a business is in a really fortunate position. So what is next for you and where can people connect? Obviously YouTube and we'll link to all of this, but what's coming up for Paul Miners and yeah, where's the best place for them to get in touch?
0: Yeah. Aside from, uh, as I mentioned, just sort of optimizing the machine really, which is actually kind of the most fun part of the business for me. Like obviously I, I enjoy the projects we do and the clients we get to work with, but I actually enjoy making the business better. But next, um, I'm still looking at and planning to rebrand a little bit. I am still like a personal brand. My website is paulminers.com, which has pros and cons. It's sort of like you're a smaller organization. People are sometimes drawn to an individual versus Mm. more of an agency or a bigger company. So there is benefits in that, but I think I'm ready to take that next step and rebrand away from me being the center of the brand and the center of attention. I mean, for years, I've actually had a few contractors working with me doing more of the client interactions. I've focused mainly on sales. So I think the next step is for me to rebrand and take that next step away from being the center that will just give me the opportunity to step back maybe in the future. I might bring somebody else in to do sales Ooh. eventually. And, and I so I think that's the the next step. In terms of connecting, yeah, my website, paulminers.com. You can find me there. I'm not big on social apart from YouTube. I do the videos. I am on Twitter. I don't tweet a lot, but that's kind of the only other social network that I'm on. Mm-hmm.
1: Or X, as it's now known. X. Oh, gosh, Ava. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. X. No, I... but people say X and then they have to put in brackets Twitter Where's so it? people yeah, know yeah. what they're talking about. Yeah.
0: Well, as you can see, I've just com- I completely overlooked that it's called X. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Oh,
1: no, <laughs> but even I was trying to find the Twitter logo for something in a presentation and I was searching Canva Twitter and I oh no, I was searching X and then I was like Twitter and then the X logo comes up. yeah so yeah. yeah I think it's it, actually yeah.
0: a terrible branding decision terrible
1: <laughs> terrible so why did you do it yeah, 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 yeah. if you yeah. have to keep saying the previous name but also the change of name I think that's really interesting you could do a whole other podcast on that because you know Neil Patel he changed to mm-hmm. NP digital everything used to be neilpatel.com which you can still go to but his whole business now is NP digital and even when you say Neil Patel, I think when it when it changes the URL, it actually goes to MP Digital. But yeah, yeah I think it's a, it's a really interesting question and one that comes up a bit for me as well, especially if people have started like a service-based business like PR or marketing and then they want to branch out. So good luck with that, but we'll link thank to you. everything in the show notes. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy, but very well-planned day to talk to us. No, thank you so much for having me. All right. Oh, and one last thing. What is your podcast called so people can find it? Oh, it's just the Paul Miners podcast. Yes. So that comes out
0: usually every I'm kind of doing bi-weekly. I used to be weekly. I'm doing sort of bi-weekly now. It's just mm-hmm. a solo show. Occasionally, like a couple of times a year, I'll do an interview, but it's just a solo of me talking about a productivity idea or a concept or some behind the scenes learning in my business that I want to share. Pretty short form, like sort of 5, 10, 15-minute episodes, oh. quite quite bite-sized and easy to consume.
1: Yes, it is great. I listen to it. So everyone who's listening to this, go and check that out as well. Thank you again, Paul. Thanks, Fiona. Bye. Oh, far out, I feel like getting off that chat and going straight over to my computer and be like, okay, this and this and this and this, and this is going to change. But what I would love you to do is to really think about what particularly stood out to you from that chat with Paul. So I'm going to highlight two things as I always do, but there was so much that came out of that. And like I said, I mean, this is the guy on a podcast when I did the one-on-one and when he was specifically looking at my business, it was just incredible. And I have to say that as somebody who helps people with this stuff myself, it's just lovely to let somebody else have the reins and get their insight and their input. So thank you, Paul, for that, but also for coming onto this podcast and sharing so many tips. So I'm going to talk about the two things that stood out. But like I said, there was lots in there. The first, I think, is when Paul talked about effectiveness and efficiency and having both of those. And I think when he mentioned, you know, there's no point being efficient if you're actually working on the wrong things, such a big light bulb because I see it all the time. I see it firsthand where people... And I know I use Instagram a lot as an example, but where people are focusing so much on someone so told me that I need to post this many times on my grid and this many times on my reels. And sometimes I think well, for what I get being on Instagram, for sure, I'm on Instagram at my daily business underscore, but so often people are focusing on that as opposed to say another marketing channel that is absolutely game changing for them and has huge return on investment, but they haven't been doing much with it. So for example, an easy one to think of is I've worked with a client. I remember them coming to me and saying, we have 9,000 people on our email list, but yeah, we never send emails. And it was a product based business. And I was like, what, what? And here you are busting your gut to try and get your Instagram up from 1200 followers to 1300. When you have nine thousand people that have given you their email that want to know more about your product and you're never talking to them. You know, that's massive permission marketing, as Seth Godin would say, and you're instead focusing on this kind of vanity metric of followers on Instagram. Now, this is a huge example of efficiency and effectiveness. Yes, you could be working faster, but if you're, like Paul says, Where are you running to? What are you actually trying to work on? And that's where that effectiveness comes in. And I love that he talked about those two things really need to go hand in hand. You need to be really understanding how am I working effectively? And then how can I work efficiently? So I'm doing that. And then how do I make it even easier and more efficient to do? So I love that point of effectiveness and efficiency and really using that almost as a filter or a checklist when you're going through the work that you're doing each day and being like, is this effective And is there a more efficient way that we could be doing this? So I love that point. The second point that I wanted to bring up is when he was talking about YouTube, just getting started. And I think it goes for any content platform, any kind of new thing that you're doing in business, you can wait and wait and wait and try and be absolutely perfect from the get-go, or you can just start and learn. And he was saying, you know, I've had the same thing about talking too fast. And The thing is, if you only start something in your mind and not actually in reality, you will never find those nuggets of wisdom from other people like you're talking too fast or can you you know, do a video on this or can you do a podcast on this? You don't get that feedback if you don't start. So I love that he said, just start. You're going to suck and just embrace that you're kind of going to suck for a while. I have never listened back to the first few episodes of this podcast because one, I was so nervous. I was probably just speed reading through it. And two, a friend had told me at the time to always write your script for your podcast. And so that's what I did. I was literally reading out emails that I'd sent and I just didn't feel like it sat well with me. I felt like you could tell I was reading. It didn't feel natural. Whereas now I just riff and yes, I probably make a bunch of mistakes or I say silly things or laugh at my own jokes when they're probably not that funny, but I started. And once you start, you get more and more used to it and more practice. And for example, with this a podcast where you are talking, that has helped me so much more in speaking gigs, in being able to answer questions on the fly, go on other people's podcasts, in my coaching, you know, because I'm constantly talking and sharing, then I'm getting more and more and more and more practice at it. So yes, the first few episodes probably sucked. I'm never going to listen to them probably ever again, but without getting started And without embracing, yep, I'm not going to be perfect, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have, you know, what is this, episode 366 episodes. And for all of those, we've had lots of downloads. We've got people all over the world who listen to this podcast and subscribe to this podcast. So, I totally agree with Paul of just getting started. I mean, if he hadn't started that YouTube, I would never have found him. I would never have recommended him to so many people that I've worked with and then eventually connected, paid him for his services and now having him on my podcast so that my community can learn from Paul as well. So just start, just start, just start somewhere. All it takes is a little bit of courage that first time or maybe the first couple of times and then you get used to it. And yes, every single person who puts content out consistently on some sort of public space, like YouTube, like a podcast, like writing a book, whatever it is, yes, you are going to get some negative feedback. It's just natural. But more than that, you're going to get so much great feedback that is so encouraging and really allowing you to connect with people, find out what is actually going to help them and produce that content. So I totally agree with that. As Paul said, you can find him at paulminers.com and that's M-I-N-O-R-S. We'll link to that in the show notes. I found him, as I said, on YouTube, and so I will link to his YouTube channel as well, but you can just literally Google. Paul Miner's YouTube and you'll find him. And as I said, there are so many great videos and tutorials. I'm often recommending him to people, especially if they're just getting started with certain programs like Pipedrive or Zapier or Asana. So that is it for today's podcast. If you found this useful, I would leave it so, so much if you could leave a review on Apple or Spotify or Audible or any of the platforms that we are on. It just makes it easier for other small business owners to find this and potentially they need some wisdom from people like Paul as well. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to look at the show notes and all the links to connect with Paul, you can do that at mydailybusiness.com forward slash podcast forward slash 366. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the My Daily Business Podcast. For a range of tools to help you grow and start your business, including coaching programs, courses and templates, check out our shop at mydailybusiness.com forward slash shop. And if you want to get in touch, you can do that by email, hello at mydailybusiness.com or you can hit us up on Instagram at mydailybusiness underscore. You can find us on TikTok at mydailybusiness or find me, Fiona Kalaki, on LinkedIn. I look forward to connecting.